Hello, and welcome to this episode of Central Valley Stories, Advertising and Public Relations. On this podcast, we talk history, trends, changes, and challenges with some of the region's veteran practitioners and agency owners. I'm your host, Professor Betsy Hayes, in the Media, Communications, and Journalism Department at Fresno State. Enjoy! Today, we have a very special treat. We are here with Dr. Roberta Asahina, longtime advertising faculty member in the Media, Communications, and Journalism Department at Fresno State, as well as veteran advertising professional. Roberta, welcome. Thank you very much, Betsy. So let's start by giving our listeners some context. Tell us about your career path. How did it all begin? I've always been a writer my whole life. I've been a writer. And I was a um, high school teacher for about five years in English and drama, and then went to work on my PhD back in Massachusetts. But in the process of coming back and writing the dissertation, I got work in advertising, writing in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I worked for a small agency there. In 1979, my husband got involved with an agricultural business and moved us over here into Fresno, and I continued to write as a copywriter, freelance copy. Some of my jobs were, for example, with Mike Thielen and Associates. In fact, I wrote for the Metropolitan Art Museum. I helped write the grant in aid, as well as copy for radio and TV. You know, in those days, even when I was over in Salt Lake City, a lot of what you were writing was print. You know, the history of our advertising in this valley and in anywhere, there was a good portion of print copy. I mean, everything from brochures to here in the Fresno area, you had a lot of sales copy, one sheets, that type of thing, where you're pitching a business, but you're putting together that kind of a material. So at one point, my copywriting led me to being the creative director at Fresno Advertising Associates, which eventually became JSA, Jeffrey Scott Advertising. And I worked for them for about a year and a half, then went out on my own with Roberta Asahina Productions and wrote radio and television ads and produced them. And I would say that the folks over at Fresno Advertising Associates, most of that work was for them. Then I found employment with Kep Cities Communications, and I was at Channel 30 in the news planning business. So I created story ideas for their news department, and from that I was promoted to becoming the news promotion manager. And I was at Channel 30 in Cap Cities until they became Disney in 1984, and that's when I got recruited to teach at Fresno State, and I got recruited to teach advertising. Wow, that is such a neat story. And so starting in 1985 then, right? Is that when you started at Fresno State or 1986? 1984. 1984, okay. 1985, right. That's when I started. Great. And then talk to us a little bit about that. What was it like when you first started teaching at Fresno State? And how did things change over the years? I was the first woman in the department. I was the first PhD It was primarily a news editorial department. There was one professor who taught public relations, but most of it was news editorial. And I have to say, Betsy, because you're in public relations, it's not an easy climb coming into something where they're not exactly thrilled to have someone from advertising or PR. It was sometimes very difficult getting um, a very good teaching schedule, even though I was tenure track. And I was the only woman in the department, the only PhD. 
It wasn't easy, but I was very used to doing my work, teaching my four classes. I advised all my students. I had the ad club. We got involved with the National Student Advertising Competition, and all of that was all in my area. And I think you know, too, that when you came in to the department, that you did the similar thing where you kind of started out and then you just kind of built a program. And eventually, advertising became quite a large segment. And then there was a time when, after you got started, you became larger than advertising in public relations. So we saw that development. We also saw the department gain in strength. But when I was first at Fresno State, try to imagine 14 faculty members, only one was a woman. And I didn't know any better. I taught five days a week. I had two young children, eight months, three and a half years old. And I was given a class eight o'clock in the morning and another class at three o'clock in the afternoon. And I taught Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I did not know that the other guys were only basically teaching Tuesday, Thursday. Never taught five days a week. I didn't know that for 26 years. So some things, I just kept my head to the grindstone, did the best I could, and everything was for my students. And I think that they were extremely successful in the work that they did. Absolutely. We'll talk about some of those student successes in a minute, but I want to go back to the courses. So did you develop the advertising curriculum? Did you work with what was there? Yes. How did all of that evolve? All of it. When I first arrived, they had a beginning advertising course, which would be called 142 now if, if I was teaching. So that was advertising procedures. And there was a sales class, but they required the students to do two semesters of sales, and it was supporting Insight newspaper, not Collegian. We had a newspaper in the department run up in McKee Fisk. We also had a campaigns class, so what I did is I brought in copywriting, both print and broadcast, and of course eventually that even included digital, online, social media. So that was developed. And then media planning became another course that I developed. And that one used a computer optimizer, a program that allowed them to do media plans that actually used data pricing from a program that was part of their, you know, our textbook purchase. So those were added. And then the strategic advertising campaigns class became more than just a class taught once a year. It became a course that was taught over two semesters. And that was because all the research and the campaign strategy and the plan book was built in the fall and in the spring we built all of the actual presentation video everything else you know the producing all the commercials for the national student advertising competition in the spring so that would have been developed during my time so the national student advertising competition sounds like something you started very soon after you started teaching tell our listeners a little bit more about that because there's different levels right and it's part of a bigger entity and there's a real client so maybe share a little bit with us about the process and then also maybe some of the clients that you had over the years absolutely We started in 1985, and we were in District 14. So the National Student Advertising Competition is national. It's a national sponsor who sponsors the competition. Generally, you'll see between 150 and 160 universities compete. 
you have to have established a AAF club on campus. So that's crucial. First two weeks of every year, I got that ad club going got at least 10 members registered, and then all of our students in advertising were welcome to join and encouraged to join and attend all of our meetings, whether they were a dues-paid member or not. So, you know, it had sort of a stretch because that was also our networking with area professionals, but each year was a different sponsor. For example, it could have been Toyota or Pizza Hut. It could have been J.C. Penny, or it could have been the Anchor Hawking, one of the early years, and Burger King. So I remember some of our early teams, we did Chevrolet Camaro and 85, 86, 87 was the Camaro, 88 was Nestle Chocolate, 89 was Kellogg's, 90 was Hearst. And every team, every year was a way for the students to build a national campaign, then compete regionally in District 14, which included at one time San Francisco State, University of San Francisco, University of California, Berkeley, Nevada, which is University in Nevada, Reno, and Fresno State. And we've had Sierra College. We had the Advertising Academy in San Francisco. So generally about four or five in the District 14. And if you won region, you went to the national competition in June at the national convention and performed in front of 1,500 professionals on a national level. And we actually won the regional seven times, although some of the teams that became just powerhouse Berkeley and University of Nevada, Reno, were two teams that we brought into the business, taught how to do it, what to do. But I understand that most recently, University of San Francisco won, which is exciting because they had never won the region. And to think, oh, great, they got to go to nationals this last So every time every team worked so hard at it, for me, it's just a thrill to see their work. And for my students, if I see them and I say, now what did you work on? And they say Kodak. I said, oh, 94. Picture this. Yeah, I remember that. I can see the students on the team. Or if they tell me they were working with Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And we did Pizza Hut twice. Once back in 1995 and then again in 2015. So they put up the money and the students compete. And you build a full advertising campaign and then all the spots all the commercials and some of those students have gone on to some wonderful careers just as yours betsy in public relations it's just wonderful careers and i want to point out something too about our advertising one of the most important components was the sales component and jan edwards took over I taught it for 22 years, but remember, I was here for 36. So I had 44 of those sales teams. But when Jan Edwards came in, and she's also the one that really helped us establish our advertising media course, but that sales for Collegian was extremely important in developing students that could compete and get really good paying jobs. So I wanted to put that little shout out. Absolutely. Yes, just amazing curriculum and lots of successful graduates because of that. And listeners, you need to know that Roberta is not joking. I have been out in the world with her when she has seen her former students. And normally she doesn't even need to ask them what the campaign was. She will say, that's Marvin. It was Toyota. And then she would say the year. And it's a pretty spectacular (laughs) superpower. We're going to call it a superpower. And and I am letting you know, folks, that it is absolutely true. (laughs) And I can just tell you how much fun it is. I can remember it. Now, this goes back a few years, 1989, when we did win our 
region and it was Kellogg's and we got to go to Washington DC and we were staying in the Marriott right across you know I mean we were two doors down from the White House the J.W. Marriott across from the you know there's another famous hotel across the street can't come across it right now but our students rock. They were the ones that organized everybody in the evening to go over to Georgetown, to go over and go dancing and do whatever they did. But you see, some of those students are still out there. Mike Insolaco is a tremendous copywriter, and he's been at RevCom for many years, but now is a freelance writer, one of our best. I'm going to tell you about somebody else. Ken Papanduras was on that team. He became the senior copywriter, which means the senior creative, the big idea guy at Shiat uh, Day. And now I'm trying to think which of the big agencies he's at. It's not Deutsch. It's another one down south, and I'm blanking on it. But, you know, these tremendous careers. Judy Soper, who was on that team, she's with Mavericks. And while she is in New York, she is building media plans here in Fresno and Sacramento and whatnot, you know, on these campaigns. This is true in many situations. We have students from, from the 1994 Kodak campaign. One of our students moved back to Sweden, and so she's still in Sweden. We have students who are in Paris who are in Hong Kong, who are in Singapore, some places in Japan. I had a student who, you didn't know that she was interested in Spanish language advertising, but she went to Miami and she could see there was a whole industry and she built her business with South America in media. So honestly, we here at Fresno State try to build an extremely competitive, challenging curriculum. I like to think that our writing is what we do that's most important, very important. And I always like to accentuate, support, endorse excellence. So anybody that was willing to do the work, I would equal that. Some people, some students just like to get by, get done. That's fine. I understand. But I'm going to tell you where I like to put my time is the ones that really like to work hard. And Betsy, I used to say this to some of my students in my last years of teaching and I retired in 2019, is I know how it works because I've seen it over 30 years. I know who succeeds and it's not necessarily the most beautiful or handsome or the one with the fanciest clothes or a fancy car or anyone. But you know what it is? It's the students who work the hardest. Those are the ones who are most successful and time and time again and it's such a beautiful thing to see my students at some of these functions you know we've revved up our AAF club here in Fresno the industry club and it's so exciting to go out and see all these new young people but there's still some of the other students that are now running the agencies you know head of the media head of the radio and television stations and agencies as I said so you kind of see everybody at every level but it's the ones who work the hardest who I find have been most successful. You mentioned the Kellogg campaign and the being two doors down from the White House and how fabulous. Is that your favorite campaign over the years or, or do you have a favorite? I know that's well, that, a really unfair were, question, I realize. That was very fun. That was a very fun campaign. The 88 campaign also included John Carippo and some students that were you know, that was our first, well, we went to the national campaign in 87 and 88 and 89, but in 88, we were in Los Angeles, and that was great. We had some really smart people, and one of my students ended up, he was working on the Toyota account down at Saatchi and Saatchi in Torrance. 
and then became an account manager. And I asked him how many people, and he said, for Toyota in the United States, in our agency, there's 44 that are, I mean, it's just huge. And another one of my students that was also down there working, she was in media planning, and she started there. And I said, well, what do you do? And she said, I do all the media planning for Toyota trucks. I said, really? And she said, light trucks. And then she gave me exactly the size of the engines and, you know, this kind of thing. So you see how very specific it is when you're making this kind of media plan. But let me tell you one about a great campaign I enjoyed in 1993. Saturn, we also went back to Washington, D.C. And I love that team, too. And, you know, we would I can't believe we took about 20 students. That's just nuts. And we all, you know, were able to get rented room, put four to a room, and, and we went for a week. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. I didn't know you just showed up, you know, two days. So they would kind of have to, the company would support us for two nights at the hotel. And the local Fresno Advertising Club would support us for about two more nights. So then the students would come up with the rest. But the sponsoring company would help pay for our, uh, through District 14, our pay for our airline tickets. So each kind of thing led to it. I'd say the students just come up with money for your food and whatnot. Once again, we were at the JW Marriott, right across, walk up the street to the Washington Memorial. I mean, you could see all these things. And we'd be right on the mall, which is where the Smithsonian Institution. So all of us got to do this. We got to be able to compete. We get on the metro, we go over to the zoo, and we see these things. It was just wonderful. And I remember I wanted to get something to take home to my little kids. So it just happened to be they were having a marathon. 10,000 people running. How was I going to get across that big broad boulevard? And I was in my fancy black leather coat and black leather high-heeled boots. And, you know, it was kind of late in the season, whatever, whenever it was. And all I had to do is I just decided I got in the race and I ran sideways so I could get across. So I did. I got the little t-shirts for the kids at the Smithsonian. But, you know, all the students that were there, we'd see each other. They competed beautifully. Now I'm going to get to Jerry Back. Jerry Back was our media planner. And when he was there, he saw some other people helping to run the thing from the visa campaign the year before. And they said, how do you know all of our names? He said, oh, I've seen the video. I've memorized it. I know it. And he said, what's happening in the way of jobs? And they had seen him. He got a job at Hal Reine and Associates in San Francisco planning their media based on his experience with the NSAC. And this is why I wanted to push that. Well, do you know, we went to a national convention, our students at Fresno State, back in 2018, the fall of 2018, and they had a very special speaker, and they were bragging about him. And he is introduced as vice president of A.C. Nielsen, the largest research company in the world in media. There is our Jerry back giving this speech for all these students from across the United States coming in with the AAF college chapters. So there was about 300 students right there that had flown into San Jose State. And it was our Jerry back. And afterwards, he came to me and he gave me all of the printed out PowerPoints. He said, I knew you'd want these. <laughs> he knows I'm kind of old school. So he had that for me and he had a couple of plan books. Things. But, you know, Jerry, even when he was coming up the ladder at Hal Reine, which became another company, he would help us with our media planning so we could get data because we didn't always have, you can't buy into these research banks. So, you know, we'd go there and he'd help us out. But that was Jerry Bank. Wow. Yeah. 
So back to the courses, one thing I wanted to mention is you mentioned that you added several courses, including the copywriting class, and then you also created the textbook for that course. Can you talk about that process? Oh, yes, absolutely. And first of all, why did you feel you needed to create your own textbook and then talk to us about the process? Oh, by the way, I love teaching all my classes and I always loved all my students. Every year, you know, you get a whole new bet. Always really great students here at Fresno State. But I just knew how copywriting needed to be taught. I knew how you needed to teach it all the way through all the media so that you would start with some of the print things that were special either to magazine advertising or even direct marketing. Very, very specialized in radio or television. And then, of course, we got into some of the digital stuff, online, social media. And I actually had a couple of my graduates help me write those two chapters in the social media so it would be correct. But each chapter was a unit and I knew exactly what they would read and each chapter had its own assignments and then I always used real products so that I could just kind of measure it out and I just knew step by step where we'd end up and in the very end we would do a larger campaign usually in print because well actually we used all media but I always kind of like to choose something like a perfume that they would create they would create their own brand their own perfume And that's also sometimes kind of fun because Jan Edwards brought in some people to do a special thing with her. Could have been the club, it could have been her class. And some of those students, Mike Williams, who's with Oracle back in New York City, Lee Lawrence, who's back there too. And I could just see his campaign. I say, Lee, remember Prairie? Oh, such a beautiful campaign. You can still remember that. Oh, yes, I remember. Now, Anna Carrion, Anna Gonzalez, our very first Asahina scholar, She did one that was just so beautiful, such a beautiful campaign for this perfume. And it was called something like Fairy Princess. I know it sounds, you know, but when you actually would see this beautiful campaign, and then all the students had these gorgeous designs, and they'd make the presentation, but it was their own brand, their own product. And then, of course, they had to do the research as to how its scent would be created. And that was usually our final for the copywriting is writing across radio, TV, everything, digital, social media, whatever. You mentioned social media, which kind of reminds me of this next line of conversation. Can you talk a little bit about how the core things that you taught didn't change over time, but there were certainly things that did change over time? You know, I think that's really good because I can remember in one of our classes towards the end, the students had different decisions about what to do with the NSAC. So I said, okay, we've got two different teams. One team, they just wanted to do this campaign that said hashtag such and such. And I said, okay, but that might be where you're located, but where's the rest of the campaign? What's the target? What is it you're trying to say? How does this solve a marketing problem? So I have to say, I'm really big on solving the marketing problem, looking at the strategy and working on those very specific things. Now, there are others who would be far over my head in how to instruct students about finding influencers or something like that. But I still believe that at the level that you are going to go to, if you are managing the big idea, you're going to need to see how that strategy works across a full campaign over years. Because on a national level, you work with brand. On a local level, sometimes you might be working with a brand, a brand name as well, but then it becomes more specific as to maybe you're featuring different kinds of foods at your restaurant or you're featuring a different kind of festival. But on the national, it's a brand and you want the longevity no matter what your contact points are. 
So let's rewind to your professional career as a copywriter. Share with us an early win or something that you're proud of from that period before you started teaching. Oh, okay. So when I was back in Salt Lake City working for a smaller agency, and they handled a lot of architectural, ooh, I had to be writing stuff for buildings, restaurants, foods, and it's really fun to write for food. So when you write for the restaurant and you're writing the copy for the way that steak is going to be cooked or how some kind of special sauce is going to be, you know, how some pork chop is presented with some of the side dishes. But also I got to be part of some hotels, not just in Salt Lake City, but up in Oregon, because the person that had this small agency had these various contacts. So I got to help come up with names for, you know, the eating areas, the restaurants, and the menus, and do that kind of thing. And so even like when I finally did get to Fresno for copywriting, I had all this stuff that was so much of its print. It's printed out. They can see what you can do. So I did some copy for, I don't know whether this was Jeffrey Scott Advertising, which was called Fresno Advertising Associates, John Oslin, Mike Robinson, Wendy Hill, who eventually was one of the part owners, with her husband Bruce Batty, JSA, and they've recently retired. But one of the very first accounts for, I think, for this Fresno Advertising Associates was Steak and Anchor Restaurant, Dave Fansler. So I just went out there and I looked at the thing and I went, okay, what can I pitch? You know, because it's out by the airport. Can I pitch the atmosphere? Okay, it was like a seafood restaurant. Mm. All right, let's see. Let me see. What are they featuring? Oh, they got a steak. They got this and this and that. Oh, they had some aquariums and they had things growing up. Oh, I could see what they've got. They've got steak and they have big baked potato. But so one of the things when creating the advertising for it was in structuring it because when you meet Dave Fansler, he loves his food. And I can just remember interviewing him and I'm talking to him about, you know, his restaurant. But when he starts talking about food, I mean, he owns all kinds of restaurants now. It's just in his eyes. He just gleams. And I just will say he's such a handsome man with this beautiful voice and he has all this enthusiasm. What are you going to do? You're going to feature him and his voice and his love of his restaurant. So even now when you hear some of his advertising, I still hear the structure, how it opens with a quote from him. Then it goes into something about a specific product. And then if you see the TV ad, it's so beautifully, beautifully photographed. So it really sells the food. But some places you could go to a restaurant and maybe it's the atmosphere. So champagne glasses and, you know, you could do something with atmosphere. Now, one I was proud of. I was really proud of it and they still do it and they don't even know it. Clausen is Honda. So remember on a national level that Honda always went very simply. With This was way back in 1981, 82, with just Honda is simple. That was their line. So then when you go out there and I saw this, it was a small Honda dealership out there. And it just occurred to me where they had some strength is, Glossen is Honda. And you can't separate it from them. And I hope they still use it. But also because I was in that really good little agency, they were able to get the very fine composers and he produced a jingle. And I don't know if I can quite get it because I'm not so good a singer, but Clausen is Honda. Clausen is price. Clausen is service. And then it was Clausen is product. And it was just this beautiful little jingle. Very expensive. Got it produced in LA. And I mean, how do you tell your client? But you know what? You know, when you get the production quality, it really paid off. I don't know if they still use it. It was a beautiful little spot. And so those would be a couple of, of the early ones I remember. 
So you mentioned production quality Mm -hmm. a second ago, which of course has to do with technology and equipment. Talk a little bit about how technology changed during the course of your professional and teaching career. Well, things are different now. Okay, somewhat different. However, you know, you can go out and do something really quick, down and dirty, and, you know, just be done with it. But one thing I did learn from Marv Allen, who had Studio B Productions and did all of the radio productions I did, and also Maximus Productions, there was only one quality. I can remember going to Marv, and it was going to cost so much per hour to produce some spots. I said, Marv, isn't there any way that we could do this for less or less time? And he said, no, Roberta, I only have one standard quality and I always remember that he said because when you produce a radio spot or a TV production if it's not done correctly you are going to hear it a hundred times I think we've all been listening to the radio I don't care what you're listening to if you don't get that thing pronounced correctly or it gets cut off too quickly or you did a kind of a sloppy shot of the product or the owner of the company you have to live with it Although now, with digital, our students, when they produce their spots, they used to do it on the CD for their radio spot. Well, now they just come with their phone, plug in their phones. I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't need my little boombox anymore to play the CDs. And the same thing with when we would be producing the National Student Advertising Competition plan book. Oh, my God, in the end, you know, the old days, we would just be strapped out in room 241 or wherever it was, all the 40 pages all over the thing, reading, you know, 20 people trying to proofread, correcting. No. Now the students just put it up on the screen, and it's up there. We're all seeing it. And I'm watching these little boats float across when they correct something, because I might be reading out loud, and I say, oh, oh, no, it's receipt, not recipe. And you see these little boats come floating in and correcting things, and then things are widened and things are edited out all at one time. And I can remember when we were working on the J.C. Penney campaign, and we needed Brandon Osaguero, and he is teaching now, I think, in the art department, and he's one of the officers in our new AAF Fresno Club. And we were so thrilled to have him in the class, on the campaign, doing the design. And I was like, when is this going to happen? Because, you know, I remembered we all used to sit around up in that room and all the pages were printed out. And then we'd little by little make the corrections. Well, as we were talking, going over things, Brandon was over there designing the book. He was over there designing the book. And the end of the class, he was like, let me show you what I've got so far. And just up on the screen. So, anyway, I love our students. And that, Betsy, never changed. Even when I was teaching, and I started teaching in high school in 1971 in East High, Colorado, I taught English and Drama, and then I taught in Utah, Kearns High and Contwood High before I went to get my PhD. But there's always these great students that just kind of stand out. They just stick out. Are they taller? Do they wear a checkered shirt or something? (laughs) They're just standouts. Thank God. And in my last couple of years of teaching at Fresno State, it was wonderful because You know we all went to the smart classrooms, whiteboards, and I'd be putting all those notes up on the board. Why aren't they taking notes? What is going on here? And then I'd say, you be sure and take some notes so we keep track of just exactly what the decisions we made on such and such. Anna, will you make sure you get track of these so we can be sure what we're going to do, what we want to consider over here? Okay, okay, doctor, yeah they were all in the list and they go walking out and I say okay now will you email those over to me so I have them oh don't worry here have you got your phone Dr. A yes here snap snap my god they just took pictures 
I just learned so much from my students. And then I can remember, as everybody has, you know, when you're teaching and you've got your presentation, you've got your PowerPoints, you're trying to pull in some of these videos and go online and grab this or that. And I had this wonderful student that sat right up front. And sometimes I don't know what was going on. I couldn't get the full screen. And he would just lean over and push a button and the whole thing would go boom to the full screen, never saying a word, you know, just... I love our students because they help me out with the high tech. And then I could just do my thing, which is teaching for me is a performance. So they would allow me to be me. Note taking is among the things that has definitely evolved during the course <laughs> oh, of our yes, careers. They all have their little laptops, don't mm-hmm. they? So what is one thing, either a trend or a change that you've seen in the advertising industry that you think has been really positive? You know, what's different now than at the beginning that you're thinking, wow, that was a change for the better? Well, I do think there's a lot of ways for a small company to still be represented and look great, build their brand. So there's still ways for them to have a really good looking website. And, you know, maybe they have a company of 12 people and they can look like a company of 2,000. If they're paying attention to these details and realizing that they're establishing a brand that's going to last for a really long time. And so some of that can be easier. Also in the contact points, we know that everybody wouldn't go out and buy a whole schedule of radio now or TV spots, but there are all these other ways that you can have some inexpensive ways of showing your product or how it works, how it functions. And still, Betsy, I gotta say, I do watch a lot of cable television because that's when I'm watching the news. So I will see some of these spots and you know, here and there, I might watch a program on this network or that network. But I am still love these really good TV spots. I just love the production. It's so amazing. And I just think there's still the great writing. There's still these great messages. And sometimes it might be for a public service message. And it can be so simple and just readable. So sometimes you'll get a public service message that it's all about where you would go to get a flu shot or a COVID shot, whatnot. And sometimes it might just be a place that you can go where you can see a doctor. But on the other hand, some of these spots I'm seeing on TV are just so imaginative and fun and beautiful and still art, you know, with the music, with their lighting, with their acting. And so I have to say, to me, it's still enjoyable. If anything, it's kind of even bigger. I mean, it's just blown up. And yet when we're in advertising, it's so completely different from the political world or media specialists that work in the political world. Because I like to think in advertising, we still get to kind of present a product, how it works, where you would find it, who would use it. And we get to have this basically a positive statement about our business or our product. And we don't have to be mean or negative about the other company. You know, it's like Subaru. I drove um, Hondas forever. And before that, Toyotas forever. But then I kept seeing these Subaru ads. And, you know, it takes you about two years to decide before you buy a car. And you know the love. And it's just as they never have changed their strategy and everything is built to that and their safety. And then you start to see various products that they have, how it conforms to those messaging. So I got to say, I got switched. I got into a different product. 
because of their ads. Yes. Well, and you know, one thing that advertising can do, and also in public relations, is one of the most difficult things you ever do is change an attitude. Especially if somebody has a really good feeling about something they're like, they're really happy. And so you have to be very careful about how you might bring them to another decision. And you have to be willing to spend the time. Agree. So when you first started teaching, you were the only PhD and the only woman. When you retired 36 years later, there was definitely more than one woman in the department and lots more PhDs. So can you talk a minute about how that made you feel, sort of looking at the progress within I that? Think, I think it was great absolutely great because we got the diversity of women and from all over I mean people had studied in places and come from different places and what I see is women kick butt when it comes to working in a department who gets the work done I could remember somebody at a faculty meeting saying something like what what are we gonna do we have all these women and I said well, we got a lot of work to do. So that's who does the work. See, now you were the chair when I left. I appreciate that too because you had a sensitivity. For me, I was older and my children were grown, so it wasn't, you know, an issue. But sometimes a person who's actually been through it, who's had some kids, would understand I need to help work with a schedule so they can teach and I get the very best out of them. But I can also make sure that they can get the little kitties over to the child care center and then be able to get back at a time so they can do that. Now, yes, as kids grow up and get into school, that wouldn't be so necessary. But I do really feel that women made a great deal of difference in our department in the area of production video production in the area of radio. Now that isn't to say that we didn't get some good guys coming along the way, but come on, who set us up here today? Who runs the news in the broadcast area? So I guess I think it's been a wonderful thing from our department. Our dean is a woman and she's fantastic. She comes to all of these events, finds time. That's not to say that in the past others didn't, but I mean, that's just my observation. So someone considering a career in advertising, maybe it's a young student, what advice would you give someone who's looking to go into advertising as their career path? I think it's very important that you like to write. And it's important, too, that you can show up someplace on time, usually early, and that you can deliver the product because nobody cares about an excuse. If, for example, when I was producing some radio spots or TV spot and it has to go on air on a certain day, it has got to be delivered several days in advance so it can be reviewed. And on a national level, it's even more important. So you have to be really willing to meet these deadlines and goals. It's also important to know that if you're working with clients, they're in charge. It's their money, but you're also helping them by your expertise. So where they're not doing something that would be helpful, you have to find ways to lead and guide them. And it's also really a fun business. It's creative. And as I said, I stress the writing, and I think that's one of the things coming out of the MCJ department. One of the reasons I always did enjoy being part of journalism is because of the writing. I think that's just essential. And then I used to say to my students, the reason I'm hard, the reason that I require a lot of assignments and writing assignments too, is I'm not preparing you necessarily for an entry-level job. Yes, you may start as an entry-level job, but here at Fresno State, we're building the managers, the vice presidents, the CEO, the creative directors, the media planners. And so I think it's true. Our students have gone on to do this and had some really good careers. But if nothing else, it's a great way to get your bachelor's degree. I've had students go on and uh, get a law degree. 
Anything else that you would like to add? I just want to thank you, Betsy, and tell you how wonderful it's been to watch others come along and just excel and and build so many wonderful careers for students, too. So that's been great for me. And I want to thank all of the people that have been in charge of this university, our presidents and our provosts and our deans that have just been really good to the MCJ department, always helped us find revenue and materials and, you know, everything. And I do want to thank those that did hire me. I want to thank Jim Tucker. He's a stalwart news editorial guy, but he knew how important it was to bring in someone for advertising and have a tenure track position. And I want to thank my husband, Bernie, and my kids who put up with me. But really, let's be truthful here. I just love teaching. I loved all my students. I miss them. Even coming over to Fresno State today, I'm just walking around the campus, and I feel like everybody that walked past, they're just so beautiful and handsome and lively and awake. I just feel like they're all my students. They're still my students. And so this was a great career. And I'm glad that I still get to participate with the AAF Fresno. I'm kind of like an advisor on the board. I think I just bring the history. I can tell them about the ad club because I was a member since 1981. But really, all the young people know how to run it. And they're doing a great job. Sometimes they have to, you know, help me calm it down a little bit. But I just love Fresno State, love the students, love my career. Thank you, Roberta. Today, we've had the blessing of visiting with Dr. Roberta Asahina, longtime advertising practitioner and 36-year educator of advertising students in the department of MCJ at Fresno State. Thank you very much, Roberta. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Central Valley Stories, Advertising and Public Relations. Join us again next time as we talk history, trends, changes, and challenges with more of the region's veteran practitioners and agency owners. Until then, take care and be well.